So prayer. I was asked to talk about prayer. We we're going to talk about prayer anyway. As part of my personal journey, okay, I did what probably most, if not every Christian does. Okay, we, it all starts with repentance. That's actually turning to God. First, you usually hear the word of God somehow. You hear about Jesus. You hear that uh, God had this big plan, and he sent his son down to die on a cross for all of the brokenness, all of these things, uh, so that we can have conversation with God, right? So repentance is just turning to God and saying, I want to make my home with you. I, I, want, I, want, I, I need to change my mind, right? It's something that is so spectacular that we're like, okay, that is literally mind-blowing, right? That, that would be the word metanoia, where you have like a change of mind. It's also viewed, again, uh, as we've talked about at home church over the last few weeks, it's, it's, re- it's a return, a call to return home with God. But usually the next thing that you find happening Okay, as a believer, is conversation with God. You see, this is unique. Uh, aside from other religions where there's lots of different works and you do give thanks, but this is actually a conversation. Prayer is a conversation, and it happens very naturally. For example, when I became a Christian uh, at a very young age, I, was, I didn't even call myself a Christian. I didn't know if I had a right to do that. I was not saved in the church. I was just told the name of Jesus, and, I, and I, all I heard was, Jesus is with you, and I'm like, okay, who's that, right? And I didn't know, I, I heard that there were Christians and Catholics and, and people that would go to church and, and they always had Bibles and they, they were talking about prayer, so I just tried it one night and I just said, oh God, uh, this is weird. I mean, I talk to myself all the time. I am an only child, okay? I do talk to my, I still talk to myself. You can ask my wife and she's like, who are you talking to? She stopped asking at this point. But when we were first married, she's like, are you, oh, I married a schizophrenic, I messed up. Yeah, I'm like, no, 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 I'm talking, to, I'm just trying to figure out how to talk. But at a young age, I just started talking to, to Jesus. I'm like, Jesus, God, guardian angel, I don't know who the, how this works, but I'm just going to start just talking, and I, and I, and I heard about you, and I, I want to I just have a conversation with you. And I remember I did that for a few months and I, in my mind, in the back of my head, I even thought, like, is this even really, is this thing on? You know, like, is this really real? And I asked God, I'm just curious. This was me as a little boy. I said, I'm just curious. Um, can you actually hear me? Because I, sometimes I have trouble hearing you. I, I don't really know if, if, you know, if the message is getting to you. Or can you give me a sign or something? And, 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 and I felt really dumb. I'm like, hey, can you, like, do this thing and, and like, make something happen? And... And I, and I fell, I just fell asleep. I'm like, ah, never mind. I just fell asleep that night. And I woke up in the middle of the night uh, to a, actually a miracle. And that's when it all hit me. Like, oh my gosh, he, he actually, he is a God that hears. This is actually real. This isn't all just a figment of my imagination. And it was something that nobody, everybody could say whatever, but <laughs> this was very personal to me. So prayer is a natural a part of a relationship with God. It's kind of like being married and never talking to your spouse. That's not really a marriage, is it? It's like, sure, you have a ring on, you said vows, but after that, you never talk. That's just strange. That's not a relationship. So in the same way, when we say yes to God, there is this natural inclination. The Spirit just compels us to say, okay, I have to, I have to reach out. We've got to have some sort of conversation happening here. Prayer is actually a part of worship. If you highly value God, you're like, man, I want to just sit and be with you. And if we were to expand that a little bit more, okay, it's a part of communing, uh, communing or communion with God. 
So prayer is a part of communion with God. I know you're thinking, uh, communion, for those of you who have been in the church a long time, you're like, so you're saying I've got to have crackers and juice with me at all times? Is that like, okay, here we go, God. I'm gonna... <laughs> no. Communion, I like this definition, an exchange of thoughts and feelings, especially at a mental or spiritual level. An exchange of thoughts and feelings. There's something happening here. When you sit in communion with God, when you sit in the presence of God, just like you would a friend. In Genesis 3, one of the most tragic, <laughs> the most tragic chapters of the Bible, we come across a few very interesting things. You see, at the very beginning, we were meant to sit in communion with God and one another all the time, where there is this exchange, this open exchange of thoughts, of feelings, of emotions, of desires constantly happening. And it was in a place of security. It was in a place of safety and comfort. It was a safe place. That is what God had meant. He made us in his image. And his image is beautiful. It's lovely. It's love. It's truth. There was complete open transparency. The Bible says that Adam and Eve, the first, his first humans, right? The very first man and the very first woman taken out of that man were to live together in complete transparency. In fact, they were walking around naked. I thought about, you know, making a real point today, but I thought, no, they're not ready. It's okay. Neither am I. Okay, they were walking around naked. That's how transparent they were with one another and with God, and they were completely fine with that. That is what you were meant to be, was completely fine with being open and transparent with God and one another. But then sin entered the picture. The devil came up to Eve and says what? Hey, you know what? You can be like God. Eve, you're already like God. You're made in his image. What are you, crazy? But you could be like God and, and, and you can know and, and, and kind of exist even apart from him. That was the lie. Chapter 3 of Genesis, verse 7 and 8, uh, verses 7 and 8 says this, Then the eyes of both of them were opened. This was after taking of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And it says that they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They heard the sound of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. The first reaction was to realize all of their own flaws and to start to try to cover it up the best that they could. And secondly, what did they do? They hid. They hid from God. It was a closed door to that relationship. <laughs> they hid from God. Note that. That is our first reaction generally as human beings, as people is when we hear about God. And, and trust me, home church, we like to be pretty evangelical. We like to get out there. We're having lots of conversations with people, and we're noticing more and more, like, man, people, they hear about God. No, 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 I can't. No, well, you have your thing. I have mine. And there's this instant insecurity because we incurred something in Genesis 3, and that's shame. Not only is it guilt for disobedience, but it's also shame. They noticed, like, imagine, if you were to walk outside naked, why, why don't you do that? Because you'd be like, oh, I don't want everybody to. One, you'd probably be arrested, okay? That's probably the first thing. But there are laws to protect that, right? But secondly, like, it's unfathomable. Why? 
He's like, I don't want people seeing. Like, that's, that's really intimate. That's super, like, deep. And in the same way, we do that even with God, even as Christians, even as believers. We were meant to dwell in a kingdom with God where there was complete heart-to-heart, feeling-to-feeling, thought-to-thought, transparency and authenticity. That even if you were having a bad day, you could still tell God. You stub your toe, you cuss, oh man, you could still tell God. <gasps> you can't. But all of that changed from that moment on. Now enter Jesus. Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to be mostly for our time. This is during the Sermon on the Mount, or ma- Mountain? Sermon on the Mountain. I'm pretty sure that's not what Jesus said to Matthew, where he's like, hey, I want you to title this one Sermon on the Mount. It's just what we call it because he was on a big hill. What does he do in this sermon? For two and a half chapters, basically, Jesus reestablishes what the kingdom of God looks like and who the people are who belong to the kingdom of God. It's like, hey, guys, this this is what it means to be one of God's people. And smack dab in the middle of, of Matthew chapter, uh, of, um, of this sermon in Matthew chapter 6, he starts going on about religious practices and proceedings because he's talking to mostly Jewish people who are very good at going to church. They're very good at doing all of the mechanisms. They were taught, like, if I do these things, then, okay, that honors God, and people, I'm respectable among people, and I'm checking all the boxes. I'm doing it great. Ethically, I'm doing great in life. But Jesus wants to address something deeper than just your outside behaviors because he knows that, hey, deep down, there are other things that are going on that motivate behaviors. So he speaks right to the heart, and and he talks about prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8 is where we're going to go. Let's start with uh, verse 5 and 6. It says, when you pray, you, the people of God, inside of the kingdom, inside this safe place, when you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues, churches basically, and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you pray, go into the inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. What is he talking about here? When you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites. I know a lot of times we like to think about hypocrites in terms of like, You know, usually people call church people hypocrites, I guess, right? It's like, oh, you say that, but, you know, then you're also like that. And in a way, it's not inaccurate. The most accurate definition, according to what Jesus is saying in the Greek, is this, though. Uh, The word hypocrite was used as a term for an actor. Literally, it's one who wears a mask, So when Jesus is saying, hey, when you pray, okay, this is what prayer is not. We expect that, yeah, you're going to talk to God. If you have any sort of inkling to want the things of God, you will automatically talk to him. Again, you say you're married, you talk to your wife, okay, great. But he cares much more about the depth of this. When you pray, do not be like those actors who wear masks before God. Now, why were these hypocrites or these actors or these religious people doing all of this? Mostly it was because people would think something of them. 
They would think, oh man, they're so religious. Man, that's so great. I love that sermon. I love that prayer. Uh, There was a certain hour of the day, several times a day, where uh, there would be busy street corners and religious folks or religious leaders would bring a little box or something and they'd just start like preaching to the people or they would say, they would just start praying over everybody and, and people would stop and listen. Likewise, in the synagogues and churches, like they would be like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get ready and I'm going to say the most beautiful, like elaborate things and people are going to think so many great things. And Jesus says, truly they have received their reward in full. What is that reward that he's talking about? You ever wonder that? Because he mentions it twice. He mentions it again when you're in prayer with him. You know what it is? It's being seen. Yeah, you received your reward. You were seen. What you wanted was accolades. What you wanted was some sort of worth. What you wanted was some sort of applause. What you wanted was to be seen and heard. And Jesus isn't saying, he's not speaking against actually publicly speaking or praying. But he says, hey, but in the same way, are you this authentic? Are you this beautiful? Are you really seeking to please and be seen by God when you are in prayer alone with him? Is there actual intimacy in your life? Let me, here's the litmus test. Let me put it this way. Are you the same way with God when you speak as you are with your friends? Are you the same way that you are with God as you are with others? Sometimes I pray with some Christians who are like, man, they're like, angry, they're cussing, they're all of this, and then when they go to pray, they're like, oh, Lord, and I'm like, like, dude, you just, you just insulted me like four times right before this prayer. Like, where is this person? I want this person. I like this person. Oh, Lord, you know, and it's like this whole different realm that they've just entered, and then they're done, and they're like, and in Jesus' name, amen. So anyway, you fat and ugly, I'm like, whoa, what the heck, and oh, this idiot over here at work, he's like, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. But Jesus is saying, hey, God doesn't want you to wear a mask. You shouldn't have to wear a mask. You okay over there? I know. Either you were just blown away by that point or you fell asleep and fell off the chair. I do not know. I hope it is the former. Prayer should be all about removing masks because God wants that intimacy that we first had in the garden. He wants that transparency with you. But you are seeking first to be seen by others. Some people don't, they won't even pray. They're like, oh no, I'm afraid, I don't want to mess it up. I'm like, what are you going to mess up? Why are you afraid of me? Why are you afraid of other people? Why do we do this? Why aren't we authentic in prayer? Why can't we just be real with God? First of all, some of us can't even be real with each other. Like a church community these days, it's very difficult to just open up and be real with each other. Again, that goes back to the fall. We have shame. We carry masks with us all the time to be different people with one another. And that creates a community of people that just come together and we're like, yes, yeah, so sing the song, I'll give the money, whatever. And I was like, okay, bye bye bye. That's not really me. I got issues. <laughs> But we're meant to be a people who come together to minister to one another and to allow the Holy Spirit to to speak through one another, to speak truth, to encourage one another, to be the people of God, to be the light of the world in a lost world. 
or we just can't, and I'm willing to bet it's because we're not real with each other, because we're not real with God. And I bet you're not real with God because you're not being real with yourself. You see, there's multiple layers to this. There are so many masks. And I get it. There's relationship that needs to be built. Of course, I'm not just going to come out and be like, hi, my name's Evan. So listen, I had these crazy suicidal thoughts the other day. Of course, not first meeting. That's a little intense, but that's where relationship comes in. But what I'm saying is, how can we year after year, decade after decade, dwell with one another? And we're saying we're dwelling with God, but we're not able to open up to anybody else around us. But you'll still say those nice prayers, you'll still show up, you'll still do those nice things. But are you being real with God first in your private life? Are you being real with yourself to be able to say, yeah, you know what? I am a little little lost. (laughs) I am trying to make a home out of other things. See, when we got ejected from the Garden of Eden, our home with God, we suddenly became homeless spiritually. Those are the cutest little shoes, I swear. That's Papa. Yep, that is Papa. Yep. Is that, does she have a boyfriend? Who is that? <laughs> oh, is that David's son? Oh, hey. We are spiritually homeless. And we seek to build homes out of so many things. And for some of these men that Jesus is referring to who are out there, he's try- they're trying to build a home out of the opinions of other people instead of what God actually thinks. Like, God, what are your thoughts? How does this happen? We forget that our home, firstly, is with God. We don't view God necessarily as a safe place, so we seek it with others. We, th- we-, we seek the opinions of others instead of the opinions of God. We're scared. Homeless people are, 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 they're scared, they're tired, they can't trust anybody. We want to be seen a certain way because that's safe. If I blend in and I say all the things that people want to hear all the time and what sounds like the culture here, then great, okay. I blend in, in fact, I might even be glorified through this. <laughs> but seeing God as the ultimate safe place, the ultimate place of transparency, uh, truth and beauty. Secondly, we may be distracted by expectations. If, if we are a church culture that has certain expectations of like, okay, when a guest speaker comes, they don't wear jeans. Oops. Okay, I already broke that one. Sorry. <laughs> hey, I'm just being real today, okay? I got a collar shirt. Okay, we're good. But sometimes we are distracted, and why do you think Jesus calls us and beckons us to say, hey, when you're alone, go close the door of your room. Like, just get away from the thoughts, and even in your mind when you're praying, okay? I, some people actually have a physical prayer room. That's cool. I pray uh, in the car often, you know, on my way to work up in L.A. I keep my eyes open. I don't bow my head, all right? I just don't recommend that. Like, Jesus, take the wheel, right? Okay, don't do that. Why do you think he's, he's saying, hey, why don't you just go away in secret? Because this is meant, what do you do in secret? Only things that are intimate. Only things that are like, this, this is something that is just very personal to me. And you don't let other things in, including inside of your heart, inside of your mind. Like, God, this is between me and you. I know people talk, they say things, they have expectations of me. But I want to know, firstly, what do you expect of me as your child, as your creation? 
Let me take off this mask for a minute. This is who I am, God. I want to come to you. I don't want to come to the opinions of the world around me. That's not to say, of course, we don't have group prayer. We are going to have group prayer at the end, so I mean. But what I'm saying is, firstly, do you spend that time with God just being real? Do you know yourself? Do you recognize your situation? And do you talk with him and allow him to speak through that? So Jesus' solution, of course, in in verse 6, but when you pray, go into your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father who's in secret, and he will see you. You will be seen and known by God, your creator. That's all that should matter. Because the rest of the world isn't going to love you and know you every, like, through and through like he will. Remember, <laughs> you're going to be tempted to run, okay? You're going to be, they, that's true, that's actually what I'm going to say next anyway. You're going to be tempted to run from God. Why? Because of that shame, because of Genesis 3. You're going to be tempted to be like, God, nope, nope, I can't say this to you. Like there are, there are some really, really intimate prayers that I've had with God. But it's so freeing to be able to just say, but you already know. The Bible says that he already sees you and knows you. Jesus goes on to say, he already knows what you need before you even ask him. He, he knows everything about you. You ain't, you ain't going to run from something that, like, okay, he knows, all right. But he loves you, and he wants to have that communion with you. He wants to have an exchange of thoughts and ideas. He wants to be able to put his life back into you in areas that you thought were dead. Perhaps there are areas of forgiveness. Perhaps there's worries or concerns. Maybe it's a complete loss of all purpose or goals in life. Guess what? If you were to continue to read through uh, verses 9 through 13 when he starts saying the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father in heaven, uh, blessed be thy name, thy kingdom. Right? That is what he's addressing. That Those things come up through prayer. But it takes you removing a mask. Are you the same person in prayer, in private, when you're driving uh, in the car, when you're in the bathroom? I used to tell the youth ministry when I was in youth, I'd just say, look, if the only place you got in your house and the only time is just in the bathroom on the toilet, that's fine. Whatever it is, in the shower, whatever you want, just make sure that you have some time to be able to just breathe and just be with him. Jesus goes on to say, so that's one. Hey, don't be, don't, this is not prayer. This is not a real relationship. This is just a mask. God, everything's great, and I thank you for a wonderful day. Amen. He's like, no, oh, I know there's something else in there. Let's be real together. But he goes on to say, when you are praying, verse 7 and 8, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So don't be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Talking to God shouldn't be like an incantation, okay? <laughs> Jesus is, is not just talking about praying consistently here. Now, we, he actually encourages that if you were to read through uh, Luke 18. If you were to look through scripture where we see some of the prophets, like Elijah, who's like praying over and over, God, make the rain come. God, please, make the rain. Right? That's one thing. 
But when you were approaching it as some of the, the Gentiles, or maybe some of your translations have pagans, they would pray and they would do it like, okay, here's how you have to talk to God. And if you do it this way, then he will bless it. God is not, he's more interested, Jesus here is interested in the heart. What's going on in here? Are you just going to uh, say like over and over the same thing, like God, I'm on autopilot? Or are you actually going to have a real conversation? Here's your litmus test, here's what I'm getting at, okay? Here, here's, how you, here's what to kind of just check your heart in. Are you talking at God or are you talking with him? Are you talking at God or are you talking with him? You ever talk with somebody who just keeps talking and you're like, you realize like halfway through a conversation there is like nothing going on here? I don't know how many times I've had a conversation with somebody. I'm like, oh yeah, and I'm listening and I'm listening. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I've had a similar experience and then they don't care and they're just like, yeah, so anyway, and then my mom said, and I'm like, okay, you know, it was kind of hard. I don't think they care. I think it's just this one-way thing. Why? Because they, their only MO is just to get out whatever they want and, th- and then walk away. Great, thanks for the therapy session. I'm just going to mental dump and walk away. That's not an exchange of thoughts and feelings. <laughs> Jonathan running away is one of my favorite things in my mind. At home church, honestly, we have a lot more distractions than this. This is great. We usually have kids screaming and stuff. <laughs> I praise God. Like There's silence in between my sentences. It's, it's distracting by how silent it is. I'm like, can somebody cry or something? Like, it's just, uh, it would really help me right now. It should be a soulful conversation with God. That's all I'm getting at. Are you talking at God or are you having this exchange with him? Secondly, our heart position should not be that if I say the right words, God will bless what I want. That's the problem. Is that deep down, maybe you are putting on the mask of religiosity, and you're saying, God, I'm coming with this humble heart, I want what you want, but really, I want it done this way. I don't know how many church meetings I've sat through, uh, through, through just being a pastor for many years of, of just, you know, it's like, okay, God, uh, will you bless our plans, amen, and they just move on without, it's like, where is the Holy Spirit in here? What's going on? How many times have we done that? Going to work, it's like, God, I pray that you will bless this thing that I'm about to do. God, I'm about, will you bless what I'm about to say to somebody? And there's some crazy harsh words. There's no formula for talking to God. Because that's not a relationship. Because that's not a conversation. So it's not cause and effect. We cannot say, okay, if I say this, then God will make it rain. But that's what makes it that much more authentic. God knows the desires of your hearts. In fact, Jesus goes on to say, hey, he knows your every need. Your Father in heaven knows your every need. And here you are trying to build a home (laughs) because you are spiritually homeless for yourself. We have a friend who... um, had uh, a few family members who were like chronically homeless. One of them just left the family and decided to live out on the streets. And she said this was heartbreaking 
because she would pass them on the road. They would, she would see, it was an uncle, I believe. They, she would see this uncle out on the road holding up a little sign, and it said, no family to go home to, please help. Give money, or whatever it said. And she rolled down the window, started cussing at him and yelling at him like, this man is a fraud. He ha- I'm his family member. She said she had so many mixed emotions because she's watching a family member who voluntarily is saying, I, I'm, I'm, I don't have a place, I don't have a family, so I'm just going to try to do this where I can you know, just beg and maybe I can. And he was in and out of different homes. He went all over, and it was just heartbreaking to watch because she's just thinking, just come home. Just come home. And in the same way, God is doing that with us. Every time we approach him, and we're like, God, will you just bless these plans? I, just, I have to do this in life, God. I need to be a doctor. I just, like, if I'm not a doctor, I'll die. Right? I don't know what it is. God, I need a husband. I need a wife. I need this. I need that. Your father already knows. In fact, over and over again, he doesn't say God. He says your father So this father is watching his spiritually homeless children trying to build a house out of boxes. Ragged clothes. And he's saying, I got a palace for you. Just come home. Is this not heartbreaking? Why can't can't we do that? One key here is this. I'm going to have you flip over to Luke 18. You can even flip to Luke 19 if you want because it's a few verses before the end of Luke 18. So it's my German efficiency for you. I believe that one of the the key elements to approaching God is understanding this. Dependency. Your life is dependent on God. This is a pretty common theme throughout the Old Testament. In fact, God even says, hey, choose today whether you will be with me and live (laughs) or basically go do your own thing and die. Choose today, life or death. We have to understand that we are dependent upon him. It's not that he's just another person that I got to put a mask on for, but we're dependent on him. Why do you think Jesus again and again, he uses your father? And that was a little bit strange in his day. Your father in heaven, you're his child. You know something interesting that dawned on me this morning? Children are essentially homeless. I know that sounds kind of funny, right? You're like, what? Okay, Colo has his baby in the back. Does she own a home? Does she have a mortgage? No, she doesn't, right? She's like one. She's like looking around like, I don't even know what, no, I, I didn't even dress myself today. I don't even know. Like children, they don't own a home if you think about it. They don't go to work. They're essentially like, they're homeless. Kind of weird to say. Why? Why is that weird to say? Well, you're like, well, they do have a home though. I'm like, okay, where's their home? Well, it's generally with their parents. Yeah, Exactly. You're spiritually homeless. Your home is with God. And we have opportunity day after day to meet him there in dependency. And to say, God, this is where I dwell. This is where I should be. Like, this is a safe place. This is a place of comfort and security. This is where I can really just be me 
and I'm not judged. You know, if you were to come before God in repentance, if you were to come before God and say, God, I messed up, can you imagine how different Genesis 3 would have looked if instead they were like, God, you told us not to do this, and we did it, and I'm sorry, I, I didn't... I wasn't thinking, I don't know, I, there was some snake that was talking, it was weird. and it was, I don't know what the rest of the Bible would have looked like. I don't even know if we'd be here right now. I, I have no idea. But I know that if we were to do that, that God responds in love. If you think about the story of the prodigal son, for those of you who know it, the, the son who ran away and said, you know what, I'm going to just take my father's inheritance. I get all this kingdom stuff, and I'm just going to spend it without him. I don't really care about him right now, but then later realizes. What happens? Does he come back, and the father like, well, 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 you messed up, you dumb idiot. No. He says the father ran and wrapped him up in a robe and hugged him and embraced him. So we have no reason to wear a mask before God. We have no reason to say, God, it has to be this way, but to be able to say, God, you know, I'm just going to trust you today. I'm dependent upon you. Luke 18, uh, 15 through 17. Jesus, and I'm going to, don't worry, I'm coming to a close here with this. Jesus just got done talking about prayer and teaching on prayer in this section as well. I was actually going to do two more passages. I slimmed it down for you. You're welcome. I love you. I want to be invited back, okay? I don't want to. Verses 15 uh, through 17, basically, he just got done talking about having humility in your heart as you come before God, to be able to, say, to humble yourself and say, like, man, you're God. I'm, I trust in you. I'm dependent on you for everything. And this is what happens. They were bringing even their babies to him so that they would touch, uh, so that he would touch them, or in other words, bless them. But when the disciples saw it, they began rebuking them. But Jesus called for them, saying, Permit the children to come to me and don't hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. Children got nobody to look down on. Little baby, like, who's going to be like, well, at least I'm a little baby. You nothing, right? They're, they got nothing. They're completely dependent upon their father and mother. Children have incredible wonder, if you think about it. Like, they're always, like, asking questions. They're always, like, my son and my, uh, both of my sons and my daughter, like, all, what's this? What's that? They're not ashamed to talk about anything. Okay, sometimes it's inappropriate in public when they're like, how come that man is doing this? I'm like, you know, we talked about loss, and we'll talk about it later, all right? But children, man, they're, they're willing to, to talk about anything and to listen. They're willing to listen. That's the sort of heart posture that we're to have when we come before God. They're not ashamed of anything. Like, my sons will run over to another kid and be like, I just farted. Like, I mean... <laughs> How often do you hear that, like, among other people? And I'm not saying we should all just get together and say, like, talk about our farts and stuff. Like, that's kind of, you know, childish. But, but all I'm saying is their heart posture and what Jesus is getting at is, man, they're, they're not ashamed. They recognize, like, man, my, my mom and dad supply for me. And in the same way, instead of looking around like, okay, God, I'm checking all the boxes here. I should be able to get what I want. I should be able to leverage this somehow. I should be able to be dependent upon my own skills and abilities because as American Christians, that's what we tend to do. 
Now, God, uh, I have degrees in this, so if you could just bless it as I go to work myself. No, God wants to do it with you. There's a mutual exchange of feelings and thoughts. No more self-reliance. Okay, we're capable of some functions, yes, of course. But in terms of living your life, thinking about your career, thinking about your love life, thinking about are you dependent upon God? Are we able to be like children where we're no longer ashamed? Where we're able to have that outlook of wonder, of like, God, what will you do next? And how can I be a part of that in every area of your life? There's no longer any reason to be ashamed or to hold a mask when you're coming before him. And we're gonna practice this together, actually. We're gonna look through the Lord's Prayer and we're gonna just do a series of prayers. Uh, we're gonna close the stream uh, again uh, in just a few moments. I'm gonna pray, uh, obviously, for just everybody here and also for, um, I don't know what camera I'm supposed to be looking at, but <laughs> uh, we're gonna be praying for, for you. And again, I just wanna encourage everybody who's maybe watching online to, to just take a few moments to be with God. If you don't know him, okay, Man, just reach out to Jesus. Invite him into a conversation. Whether you've been tracking in the church your whole life and you're a pastor's kid or what have you, or whether you, this is like, okay, I just stumbled on this on some YouTube channel and some weird dude's talking. Either way, have that conversation with Jesus Christ. Because we believe that, yeah, God wanted to undo that brokenness in Genesis 3. He wanted to undo that lack of intimacy where we have to smother ourselves in masks all the time by sending his son Jesus to be the most real person. Jesus wasn't supernatural. He was very natural. And he's teaching us how to be natural today. So let's pray.